Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class. Today's Bible class is for our podcast listeners, and it's designed to get us into God's Word every single day for a few minutes, about 13 minutes. And in so doing, it keeps us in God's Word. And that's important because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So as we continue to get in God's word on a daily basis, our faith stays strong, or at least it should help our faith to stay strong and even grow stronger. But it also helps keep us focused on a relationship with God, upon our souls, and to maintain a more spiritual and thereby more positive and productive mindset to be able to deal with all that life throws at us every day. Help people in your life who you know who need to get into God's word, who need to turn their lives around, share these short studies with them every day. You can do that easily through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody get to heaven ultimately by getting them into God's word by sharing these short studies with them every day. What a great blessing that will be for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So start sharing today. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, talking about not just sin. Now that, again, that, as I said, that turns off a lot of people because they don't like to think about sin. It's not that they think it's a dirty word. It's because it hurts their conscience. It bothers them because they know they're living sinful lives, and that, that really bothers them. So they don't want to think about sin too deeply. But what we're talking about is really the consequence of sin, and that is that it will keep us out of heaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, we read a number of specific sinful practices or lifestyles that the Apostle Paul brought out, and he said, Uh, those who are living in these kinds of sins, they're not going to be in heaven. In verse 11, though, he went on and said, "And, and such were some of you. Those of you in the church in Corinth now, those of you who have become Christians, you've been forgiven of some of these very kinds of sinful practices and lifestyles. So they had come out of them. Now, what Jesus described as slavery in John chapter 8 verses 31 through 34 is the lifestyle of sinfulness. He said, you you practice sin, you're living in sin, you're a slave to sin. Now again, there's some people who, they don't want you to think about any kind of slavery except slavery of humankind. Slaves, you know, somebody makes somebody else a slave. Well, that's been reality in this world almost since the beginning And it was a horrible part of our history and our country. But that's not the worst kind of slavery. The worst kind of slavery is what Jesus talked about, being a slave to sin. If we're not set free from that slavery, then we're lost for all of eternity. We'll be in hell with the devil forever and ever. Now, again, Jesus brought that out in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. But he he also brought out that we can be set free through 
living by his word. What are some of the sins that Paul brought out in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10 that will keep a person out of heaven? And this is just a representative list. But what we're looking at is seven sins that will keep you out of heaven. Now, one of those, one group of those sins is sacred sins. And we were talking last time about idolatry. That's the worship of idols. The first commandment of the original 10 commandments back in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 reads, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, the text goes on and talks about you, you shall not make any carved images, you shall not make any kind of statues or images of any kind whatsoever, of anything from the heavens above or in the earth beneath or the, or, or the waters under the sea. You don't, you don't fall down and worship them. You don't look at them as being God or deity. You don't, you, you don't worship them. You don't serve them as God or deity. That's all idolatry, the worship of idols. Now, as I brought out, there are a whole lot of people living in the world right now who are practicing idolatry. There are many who call themselves Christians who are practicing idolatry. They do not realize that because they're not told that's what it is. and They probably don't know the scriptures well enough to realize that they are actually violating God's teachings against idols. But they have statues of people from ancient times, and they will bow down to them, they will pray to them, they will worship through them. That's idolatry. And again, that is in contradiction to what the scriptures teach. Idolatry. Remember, that was one of the sins that the apostle Paul brought out and said, they'll keep you out of heaven. 1 Corinthians, 6, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Although the original commandment, going back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me, although this was given more than 3,000 years ago, there has never been a generation in the history of mankind where men did not worship idols, and such is the case now. Israel was tempted by the ancient idols of Baal, among other idols, whose worship featured gluttony and drunkenness and prostitution. Today, the, idol the Hindu religion is an idolatrous religion. Now, I don't mean to say that to offend anybody unnecessarily. I'm simply talking about the truth of the matter. It has flourished for over 4,000 years. It now has over a billion followers, a billion with a B. Hindus worship many gods and believe humans are simply reincarnated animals to a great extent. Where it is the rule in a particular country, it is against the law to kill animals, rats, mice, cows, and other animals because they might be ultimately reincarnations, or they might become reincarnated and become a relative or whatever. India alone has 200, India alone has 200 million sacred cows. As many of its people starve, 
Each cow consumes, it has been said, enough food to feed seven people. If they simply stopped feeding the cows, not including eating them, they could feed 1.4 billion people with a B. In, in other words, all of their citizens, basically. Idolatry takes less obvious forms as well. Augustine said idolatry is worshiping anything that ought to be used or using anything that ought to be worshipped. In our society, false values, love of pleasure, materialism, careers, possessions, family, comfort, convenience, sensuality, have all become modern-day idols. Someone said, today's idols are in the self, focused on ourself, in other words, rather than on the shelf. America's idols are the gods of sex, silver and gold, stomach, pleasure, possessions, position, all kinds of sports activities that take us over in many cases, Facebook, social media, family, and the list could go on. Many things can fall into John's description of the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life that are all things of this world and this world is passing away. First John chapter 2 and verse 16. Those serving false gods of any kind, whether they're actual statues or images or carvings or whether they are pleasures of a worldly nature that keep our focus off of God and away from serving him and keep us all caught up in those particular pleasures and ways of the world, worldly ways. Those serving false gods cannot expect to be rewarded with an eternal home in heaven by the true God and with the true God. God expects our total dedication and allegiance. So one group of those sins condemned in Paul's letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10 were sacred sins. Idolatry, he specifies and highlights. The devil's work in Corinth also included sexual sins. Boy, they are everywhere in our country and around the world too, aren't they? Few places, and we could think of San Francisco with its sexually open culture, Las Vegas, Amsterdam, Macau, Rio de Janeiro. Few places have been as sexually lax and promiscuous as the city of Corinth 2,000 years ago. In a permissive society where it took much to get noticed, Corinth stood out like a red light district on a dark night. <laughs> stood out like a red light district on a dark night. Their philosophy was similar to many today. Sex is a normal physical function, so why not do as you please? God created us as sexual beings as well as mental beings, emotional beings, and most importantly, 
spiritual beings as a as having a sexual being or that being part of our created being by God, our physical and emotional and psychological makeup, that's, that's fine in its proper perspective and given proper attention on a godly level. He made male and female to be together and through the sexual relationship to reproduce and bear children. God has the right that's going all the way back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God has the right to tell humans how to use this gift. The marriage bed is undefiled as long as it's the marriage bed and kept in the proper godly perspective. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Now, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9 lists three specific sexual sins that Paul said, by God's inspiration, will keep a person out of heaven. And we'll talk about those next time. Let's pray. Father, how we need your guidance, how we need to pay attention to the temptations of the devil and guard against them, how we need to focus on your will for our lives communicated to us in your scriptures, the Bible. Help us to see that your way is not just a good way or an alternate way. It is the best way for our well-being and ultimate eternal well-being. Help us to see, Father, and help us to embrace that truth and come to you through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation. We pray, Father. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.